We are honored today to have Pastor Enrique and his wife Susan Borja from Mexico. They've come up to visit. Um, they have family up here in the area, so they um, do come up on a regular basis, but they, uh, they contacted Pastor Nelson and said, we, we are up, we're available if you're interested, and Pastor Nelson said, uh, yeah, I'm going to tell Pastor David we're interested. And Pastor Borja, he functions very much as an apostle, father, um, not just physically, but also spiritually. In Mexico, I asked him this morning, they planted seven churches themselves, and then relationship-wise, they have many other faith community, or not faith community, but many other families of faith, houses of faith that come and relate with them. Uh, churches and fellowships, and so they have an amazing connection, an amazing influence in Mexico. And the church is, um, boy, it's a, over 45 years, the church that they are with. Um, Pastor Ern Baxter, one of his brothers, founded the church in the early 70s, and then Pastor Borja was in the mid-70s where they took over and assumed the pastorate and have been very busy um, and effective there. So this morning, we are going to receive from an apostle. Because it says in the Bible, what you receive from, you get the gift of. So when you receive somebody in the name of something, you actually get the benefit of what that name and what that capacity is. And so this morning, Pastor Borja is prophetic, fatherly, and apostolic. And not just Pastor Borja, but I also believe you, Susan, as well. You are a team together. So can you stand and welcome Pastor Borja and Sister Susan this morning? Good morning. It's so wonderful to be here. We were with um, the church when Pastor Nelson was still... um, the main pastor, head pastor, uh, but at the other building. So we came yesterday on our way in Tabbotsford to find it, to find out where we were going to be going today so we wouldn't be late. And it's amazing, an amazing new building. So congratulations. Not new to you, but new to me. So that's fine. It's still new. Um, as, as we were sitting there uh, during worship, which is very typical of me, I, I don't get a word until I get there. And when I'm, when I'm there, then God starts to speak to me. And as I was sitting there this morning, God started to speak to me about generations. And I don't know how many of you are second, well, I know a lot of you are, second and third generations, but those that don't belong to the Strachelat or Stunenberg family, how many are second or third generation here other than them? Because... What God was speaking to me is the, the blessings of God go from generation to generation. We know that. But there's something that, that we do not walk in and claim and expect from God is the fact that it's not only a blessing that passes and then we begin again. 
and we begin to again to grow into and then we pass it on and we begin again no actually what happens is we stand on the previous generation's shoulders so what god expects is not that we start over from the beginning but that we start where the generation left off so we must build and build and become stronger and the word of god for you today is expect that stronger ministry you know pastor nelson's ministry he's been in mexico he's been with us in our church and i know of his ministry is amazing just just amazing the things god did and is doing through their ministry with his wife louise and of course i know um ben and gray stunenberg as well and the amazing things god has done through their lives they're men and women of faith and giving and dedication to God and, and God's work is just incredible. And I know the Studenbergs. I know Stephen, John, and Shauna very well. And what I'm saying is God wants you to expect more, more. God wants you to look back and say, I am standing on the shoulders of men and women that have gone on and have done incredible things. And God wants you to see not only that, that they have done, but want you to see the new things God wants to bring in with the same amount of power, with the same move of God, but, but greater. We, we are in the position of Pastor Nelson, where our son is now pastoring the church that we pastored for 45 years, and he is now pastoring it. But I expect him to go much, much farther than we went. I don't expect him to do the things the way we did it. We don't expect him to be at the level we were at. We expect much more, much more from him because he stands on the shoulders. He did not start. So what I'm saying today is God wants us to believe. Believe for an incredible move, incredible. You know, sitting in this church, there's easy five generations, you know, if we start with one. And I don't know Pastor Nelson and Louise's previous, you know, their their background or their parents or their grandparents or their so generations and generations are represented here we need to open our eyes all right god wants you to open your eyes and see and and get a new and fresh and greater vision for this town for this city for your families for your ministries and because there's so much more there's so much more so much more and we just see things and we continue to do things as they were or what we know and we continue to walk in what we know but no this is God saying no lift your eyes up Amen. lift them up and because I want to do more I want to do everything that was done that's fine but but keep going keep going and then your children and their children will stand on those shoulders and and God wants more more move of God more gifts of the spirit more people reached bigger church and it's not just for numbers it's it's just the the influence that God wants to have over this city and so we just speak blessing in your lives today we speak the blessings of many many generations to this church today Amen. <clears throat> happy mother's day how are you excellent I have two questions before I start the first question is, how many of you had coffee before church? If you did, thank you very much. That means you are going to be alert. 
The second question I'm going to ask you, did you bring your imagination with you? Is it here? Because I need that so I can preach to you a word, a specific word that the Lord gave me in the month of November. I was praying and I was believing for a word of God for the 2019, 2019. And the Lord directed my attention to the life of the prophet Elisha. And what I saw was this. Everywhere in, in the world, all the nations are being influenced by different changes in their morale. They are changing the basic definition of marriage. You know, nowadays, you know, the definition of marriage could be, you know, same-sex marriage. But I can see that maybe the next step will be a man with an animal. Because there is no end to the darkness that the world wants to take everybody, society. And I'm very, very upset that a minority of people make decisions for the rest of us. I mean, all these, all these politicians deciding in the future of our nations. And then, you know, same-sex marriages, and this is Mexico, too. I mean, it's, it's everywhere. You know, I read that in, in Argentina. I read the same things in Chile and in Europe and everywhere. And then they want to, I mean, same-sex people or marriage, they want to adopt children and corrupt them and influence them. So, I mean... We're in the middle of, of probably one of the darkest moments in the history of the world. And on the other hand, the story of, of Elisha, it's probably as equal, as dark as today. I mean, and that's the, the, the parallel that I want to present you this morning. That's the prophetic word that I receive for our church and for the church in general. And I want to I read from 2 Kings number 5, a very familiar story. I'm reading from the New, Ameri the New King James. <clears throat> Everybody knows about this story. This is the story about Naaman, the leper. You know, it's, it's probably, it's been preached many, many, many times. And... And I want to say a few things before we start with this portion of the Bible. I know you are ready to read it. But this is something that happened 850 years B.C., before Christ. This is something, and I want to picture four different scenes. Scene number one, I'm going to go like this. Scene number two, scene number three, and scene number four. <coughs> Scene number one, it's the story of the Hebrew family who are training their family in the ways of the Lord. Because the answer of the need of, the need of Naaman was a young lady who was being trained in a Hebrew family beforehand. I probably would say maybe it was 860 years before Christ. This Hebrew family was being faithful, training their next generation child, 
passing on the knowledge of God, and they didn't know what was in their future for their family. So can you see that number, number one scene? Yes? Yeah? You, I communicated that first scene. You know, the Hebrew family training, doing their job. I think the best thing that happens in our life as parents is when our children decide to follow the Lord. I mean, the moment that they are walking with the Lord, we can, we can you know, disappear and go to heaven. We have done our job. Uh, so this family has been training faithfully their children, but they don't know that God has something special for them to answer. I call this message, the Lord is looking for a point of connection. Connecting heaven with needs on earth. Connecting heaven with needs on earth. And then the second scene is what we are going to read right now. And it talks about Naaman. And we're going to start reading, so if you can follow me. Now, Naaman, commander of the army of, of, king, of the king of Syria. And in this case, the king of Syria, his name was Ben-Hadad. A very familiar name to us in our, in our town because we have a colony of Lebanese people. So we have some Hadads still in our, in our city. And it says about he was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master. Because by him the Lord has given him victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. And the Syrian had gone out on raids and had brought back captivity, captive, I'm sorry, captive, a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, if only my master were with a prophet who is in Samaria, for he will him would heal him of his leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus said the girl who is from the land of Israel. Then the king of Syria said, Go now, and we'll send a letter to the king of Israel. I want to stop here, but this is the second scene. We, we see now the need. We see now Naaman, the commander of the army of Syria. He, and the Bible, for some reason, gives us all these wonderful things. He, they explain his nice character, some of his abilities that he has as a general. The way I see it, he's number two man in the structure of, of politics in the kingdom of Syria. He, he's a honorable man. He is being used of the Lord to bring victory against the enemies of Syria, but he's also being used as a stick to spank the Israel people, <laughs> you know. All through the Bible, we see some other nations bringing correction to the nation of Israel. If we understand this moment, these two nations, the nations of the north, the ten tribes of the north called Israel and the nation of the south called Judah, they were in a collision course to captivity. They were going directly 
you know, against the Assyrians and against the Babylonians, and they're going to come and they're going to pull them out of their land because of their sin. And in the middle of this, of this crazy moment in history for, for Israel, and we have to bring also the life of Jezebel and King Ahab. And I understand that Je Jezebel means, in some of the translations, in some of the commentators, it means garbage. It means somebody who is unclean, somebody that is morally corrupt. So, you know, according to the people that govern the nation, it's the style that they're going to bring to the nation. So it was all over the place, the nation was corrupt. The nation was dedicated to idols. And in the middle of that, we have this story and we have the two, probably one of the two of the most famous prophets. One of them is called Elijah, and the other one is called Elisha. Elijah means God is Lord. I mean, every time Jezebel had it to name his, his enemy, he had it to say, God is Lord. <laughs> I mean... You know, it was kind of like, you know, even though she was, you know, pushing the, the, the worship of Baal, and one of the stories that probably we love is that challenge between, you know, Elijah and the 400 prophets of Baal. I mean, I want to see that video. I don't know about you. But I, I love the way he teases them and the way they do it because, you know, it's, it's an amazing story. And I discovered when the when fire came, the heat that came down, the fire of God, was equally to a nuclear bomb. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, this, this little fire coming down. It was like, you know, it licked the, the water, and it melted the stone. You know, we live in front of one of the, probably one of the largest volcanoes in Mexico City, the second largest one in the country. And we know about what happens with lava and what happens after, you know, you, you bring stones with so much heat, you know, it crystallizes. So there were some discoveries in this valley where they have this challenge, this duel between, you know, basically the Lord against the prophets of Baal, and they found stones that they were crystallized, and they wondered what happened here. And they discovered that the fire that came from heaven was so powerful as a nuclear weapon. So on the other hand, then, and we know after that, the prophet Elijah goes into depression. And in the middle of that, he wants to die. I want to die, Lord. I want to die. I want to die. And in the middle of this, he's called, he, he's called to pass on the anointing to Elisha. And, and, and Elisha means Jesus saves. Well, Elisha means the salvation of the Lord. You know, that's what it means. So we have Elijah, God is king, and on the other side is Elijah, God saves. So what I want to bring your attention is that we are now in a new era of the salvation of the Lord, and we see a different way of approaching the needs of Israel, different from Elijah to Elijah. Elijah was a, a funny guy. He dressed funny. He dressed different. He, he was always isolated. 
But Elisha was more of a social guy. He was bringing solution to different people's needs. And if you read all his miracles, I mean, it's all about people. It's all about grace. It's all about mercy. It's all about, you know, showing the Lord's heart to these people. So it was different. It was like all of a sudden he changed. And I think that's a story for the church now. Because his ministry started when Elijah was taken into heaven. And then we know what happened. You know, the mantle dropped, which to me, it's, it's a picture of the Holy Spirit coming upon the church, us, the church, and then Elijah picking up the mantle and doing the work of the Lord. And one of the things that I understood from Elijah, after being with him almost 10 years, after that scene when Elijah wants to die and wants to go, there is 10 more years where he is training Elisha to do all those miracles. And Elisha sees the need, you know, that, that he, he is going to be called to do now the job of the ministry, the prophetic word. He's going to be the voice of God to those people. And he says, I need double anointing. I mean, if, if, we don't, if I don't get that anointing, that doesn't make any sense. And I want to say something very special today. The reason I am here today is because the night that the Lord saved me, this is November 25, 1973. I was from the Woodstock generation. You know, you can imagine myself with, you know, long hair, you know, all those, you know, blue jeans. And no underwear. <clears throat> and, and, I, I, and the Lord, I mean, I was, I received a heavenly sap that night. I mean, it was like I went into these people's home being a heathen, you know, a crazy man, absolutely acid and, you know, mushrooms and all that crap. You know, I was... Heavily involved. I mean, I know it's hard to believe. Now I'm a grandpa, so people don't believe that. But, you know, it's like I went into that place, and, and the Lord just, boom. I was delivered. I was transformed. I said, this is the best trip ever. I mean, <laughs> this, is, this is what I needed. This is exactly what I needed. And then this Canadian lady, yeah, the missionary's wife, came late into this moment. It was Sunday night, you know, 9.40 at night. I remember because, because I, we live in Puebla. It's only two hours away from Mexico City. I have my ticket on the bus. And she came in that night, and, and, she, and she was kind of like checking out what was going on. And she said like this, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I mean, and she was so direct. Uh, it was like, I mean, who is this lady? I mean, I never seen him before, but she was like pointing at me. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I said, lady, okay, I have tried so many things, so bring the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I, that's, that's what went through my mind. I mean, that's, I mean, I never read the Bible. I didn't know anything. I was supposedly a good Catholic, but, you know, all Mexicans are Catholics, but that doesn't mean anything. It's more a social thing. But then, you know, 
like that, I started speaking in tongues, like right away. And, and the only thing she told me, you must speak in tongues every day, every moment, every, you know, every instant. So I went into my house that night. I kneeled next to my bed, and I started praying in tongues. And I've been doing it for more than 45 years. And the reason I'm here is because I needed the Holy Spirit. And that's the same thing that Elisha said. I need that anointing. I need that power. I need that. And we have it too. And, and we can make connections. I went into that house, and that man, I, I mean, he wasn't a very good preacher. I mean, he wasn't very good, but he had a heart for me. They had been praying for me for many, many months, you know, and, and you know, I, I reap all those prayers that night. And he only told me, would you like to pray? And I did. And all of a sudden, the Lord came. I, I, it was like, like Saul of Tarsus going into, you know, into Damascus. The Lord just came and sat me and changed my life. And, and, and then he made me a pastor. I mean, I mean that, the way I see this thing is like the Lord went and opened the sword, the sword, you know, and he pulled me out of that. And then he made me a pastor. And that's the grace of God. You know, it's like, I mean, how come? I mean, how you choose that, that crazy guy? I mean, I was in asylums. I, I visited the Mormons. I, you know, all kinds of crazy things. I remember listening to the Mormons, you know, or going, and they showed me a movie. Movie, you know, one of those movies. It wasn't no video. I mean, it was a movie. And they showed me Christ in the pyramids in Mexico. And I said, what? I mean, I thought, I'm crazy, but these guys are crazier, you know? <laughs> This guy, I, I don't know what they've been smoking, but, you know, this is, this is, you know, it it's, doesn't make any sense. Because the Lord had a moment in my life where he was going to come and just pull me out, and here I am. And the reason I'm here is because the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then I want to bring your attention that, the, the general Naaman needed, it had a but, but a leper. And we all of us, we have buts. We have needs. We have situations that we're battling with. There's stuff that it's, you know, we want to get rid of it. You know, we want to, we battle with anger and we battle with bitterness and we battle with different things, you know, envy, even though we don't. But in this case, his need was very obvious. Everybody knew that he was a leper. You know, and, and that disease, it, it, was the, it was the cause of death, and it's been the cause of death of many people. But the Lord was working mysteriously because this man needed somebody to bring the right connection into his palace because, I mean, he, he didn't have a, like a little shack. He was a member of, of, of the royalty. He was a member of the high society. So the Lord worked through a little girl. And she was brought to the family of the leper, Naaman. And the, the amazing thing is that Naaman was loved by his king 
by his wife and by this little girl too. She's in the middle of the situation. She perceives, she perceives the need and he, she has the faith to say to the wife, if only my master will go and see the prophet of God, he could be healed. And, and this is the thing. We don't know her name. She's, she's maybe Mrs. X. You know, we don't know her last name. But right now, she's, she's influenced or he, she comes into the family of this Naaman, this general, and she's going to bring solution. He's, she's going to be the point of connection from heaven to earth. And this is some, 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 I mean, this is a little girl that maybe doesn't look powerful, that doesn't look, you know, very strong, but she has faith. And she exercises faith. And she dares to tell her mistress, you know, and she, and, and she has the faith. And this is the amazing thing. She pronounces the, 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 the prophetic word, name and my master should go there with the prophet Elisha. I mean, this is the time of salvation. Probably this girl was a very well-informed lady. How come? Because in those days, the word of mouth communication was the best. Probably she knew about Elijah. Probably she knew about that when Elijah prayed three and a half years, it didn't rain. Probably she knew about all those, that challenge between, you know, the prophets of Baal and, and the Lord and the prophet. So she's a well-informed kid. Because in those days, we didn't have, they didn't have social media. And, you know, and, and, and people knew about these things. You know, people knew, like, you know, like in Jericho. They knew about what happened in Egypt. I mean, how, I mean what, what kind of business? I mean, CNN or what was the news? No, it wasn't none of that stuff. It was just mouth to mouth. So she's there, and she says to her mistress, this is, this is what your, my master needs to do. So she receives the word because this is something special. The Lord opened the heart of this lady, and she receives the word. And then she goes with her husband, Naaman, and he receives the word, and then he goes to the king. I mean, none of them say, ah, this crazy girl, she's stupid. I mean, she, she doesn't know what she's talking about. We have the best medical doctors in, in Syria. One thing that happens in Mexico when people are ill the first thing when they do, they go to their, you know, their family doctor. And then if it doesn't work, they go to Mexico City because to see as a specialist. And if that doesn't work, then they go to Houston because Houston is the answer for all the illness. And if that doesn't work, then they go to the dark side. They come back to Mexico and they go and see witches and you know, all, you know, witchcraft and all that kind of stuff. And that's probably what happened to Naaman. He was looking and searching for a solution. But this is the grace of God, that God was going to save him. God was going to come and, and rescue him from his illness. And the third scene I want to picture you is, look, Jesus, 850 years after, he talks about him, about Naaman. When he's preaching in his hometown, Nazareth, you know, in his hometown, and when he opened the Bible in, in, the, in, the, in the prophet Isaiah 61, 
You know, he gave us beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I mean, he opens the scripture and he says, the grace of God in the past, it's also for the Gentile nations. The grace of God, it's even for the enemies of Israel. I mean, the Lord is going to heal one of the enemies of Israel, and that's absolutely 100% grace. He doesn't deserve to be healed. But the Lord is working through a little girl who is, you know, brave. So what happens? Naaman goes to the king, and the king says, I'm going to write you a letter, and you're going to go to the king of Samaria, and I'm going to give you a little offering. A little offering of a million dollars. I mean, it was like, I mean, how, I mean, do you like a little offering like that? I mean, huh? I have a Korean pastor that he always comes and, and gives us money for the orphanage. And always, he's, he always says, this is a little offering. And a little offering, it's like three, $4,000. If that's little, I mean, I don't want to know what's big, you know, what's a big amount. So the, he goes with this letter and the money. And he goes with the king of Samaria. And, and, and the letter is very funny. The letter says, I want you to heal my general. <laughs> I mean, and, and leprosy, you know, if you really study this, this disease, Hansen's disease, you know, it's even if people get healed today with antibiotics, they cannot reverse the damage in the skin. Medicine cannot do what the Lord did for this guy. Amen. I mean... Because we know the story. What happens after that? You know, gossip traveled to the prophet, and the prophet came. Elijah said, send me the general. And the funny story is that Elijah is at home, and the general, because he's coming into, into enemy territory, he's not coming alone. He's bringing all his tanks and his, you know, all those chariots and horses and and, and he's coming to the door of the prophet. Is the prophet Elisha home? Yeah, he's home. But he doesn't come out. I love it. I love the story because Elisha, he's, I don't know what he was doing. He's busy and he doesn't have time to deal with that guy. But he has the word of the Lord. And he says, go and dip into the Jordan River seven times. Obviously, you know. And, and what happened to, to Naaman? Then pride comes into action. Naaman says, well, I need to be treated like, you know, I'm a general. And this crazy prophet, I'm coming from so many, you know, kilometers away. And he doesn't even come to the door, you know, to receive me. He was expecting the red carpet, you know. Uh, he was expecting, you know, royal treatment. He was, he wanted to be treated like he felt he was. But Elisha said, you know, I don't know what he was doing. But I, I, you came for the word. i given you the most special thing, the word of the Lord. And the good thing is, you and me, we have a connection with heaven. And we can connect with the people right now. What I see is people getting up from here with words because we know we're under open heaven. 
I mean, we know how to access the throne of God, get words, and bring them for people. I mean, I'm very involved with politicians. And in the last month, I've been with the number two guy in, in the state of Puebla. And the Lord told me, go with him, and he received me. And, and, and I've been praying for him for many, many days and many, many months. And I, I use WhatsApp, which is a way of communication, and I send almost 300 WhatsApp to different people, politicians, and one of them is him. And when he was in, the, in his darkest hour, when his wife was ill, I always kept sending him verses and being there with him and, you know. And then now he's the number two. And probably he's running the state. And he, he said these words, Enrique, whatever you need. I said, what? I mean, this is coming from from almost, you know, next, this, the governor of the state. And I said, I have many needs. <laughs> I have many paperwork that I need, you know, solution. There are many things. So that's, that's what happens. And, I, and this is what the Lord told me. Go with him and say these words. And I said, okay, Fernando. Fernando Manzanilla is his name. I said, Fernando, you need me. Before he told me what I needed, I said, you need me, because I know that you want to make history in this state, and you need the Lord to help you, because you are going to confront supernatural problems that need supernatural answers. And that's, that's what I told, and he, he just laughed, like, I mean, what is this crazy pastor telling me, you know? I said, well, that's what I feel. And yesterday was his birthday, and I sent him a, a tweet, and I said, Fernando, I bless your life with wisdom. I bless your life with divine protection. I bless your life with family harmony, and I bless your life with health. And he answered me, like, right away, a thousand thank yous, Enrique. And so I, I, I want to be, you know, a connection from heaven to him. Yeah. And you can be a connect. There's people outside waiting for us. Yeah. I mean, they're waiting. They're, and we have the answer. I mean, we need to take church out of these walls. Right. And we can be here all the time talking about church and, you know, that's, that's fun. But, you know, let's get out because people over there, there is need. So, I, you know, <clears throat> my wife says that I'm always chasing people in, 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 in department stores. I always talking with, you know, with the, uh, and, and I'm chasing them because I can strike conversations and I can tease and, and tell jokes and, and communicate and connect all the time. You know, it's like, I'm, I mean, I don't dress up, I'm gonna be an evangelist today. I mean, it's, I mean that's crazy. I don't need a campaign, I don't need a pulpit, I just need to be a normal person. With the anointing. Amen. I mean, I just put my, you know, my coat of anointing, and I just go and, and, and open my heart to different people and needs. And then I, I, another thing I did, I, one of the secretaries of this, gov this government guy, she is like 35. I invite her. She came to church. And 
She has a younger son, and she needed to learn about personalities. So while I'm here, I sent one of the helpers, one of the guys that helped me, and he took one of the books about personalities that is going to change her life. I'm here, but I'm still working for the kingdom. I'm here, but I'm also bringing connections from heaven. And you can do that too. It's not like, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm not that special, you know. I'm Mexican. You know, I like peppers, you know. And I like hot salsa, you know. I like curry, and I, you know. And if I can do it, you can do it. I mean, it's, it's that easy. But we need to see, and, and the incredible thing of this story is that Naaman, after he was healed, he went down seven times, you know. And, and, and the incredible thing, he was loved by the king. He was loved by his wife. He was loved by the young Hebrew girl. But he was also loved by his peers. But because they say when he was in that moment of pride, they say, the prophet is not asking you, you know, that something very special. Obey him. Submit to him. And that's salvation. You know, salvation is deciding to submit to Jesus as king. He submitted to the word of the Lord. Very simple, very easy. And he did it. And then he wanted to go, and then what happened after that? He goes with his army again. You know, this is, this is a testimony of I don't know how many people went with him. But I bet you when they return to Syria, they talk about it. They gossip like us Mexicans and you Canadians. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's something that it's in our nature. You know, we want to talk about. You know what happened? And then that's what I need your imagination. Imagine Naaman coming home again to his wife and to his king. I can see knocking at the door and saying, honey, I'm home. And then the wife coming, how did it go? And then, what happened? There is nothing in your face. You even look younger than before. Can I go and dip to the Jordan River? <laughs> so I can get the same treatment? <laughs> I mean, how many ladies would you like to have that in your skin? Especially if you are after 40 or 50, you know, and then all those wrinkles. And then, you know, three, seven times. I want to have that ministry. I mean, really. Pray for people and all of a sudden, boink, you know. I mean, who needs the knife when you have the Jordan? So this is, this is to me, such an, this is what I imagine. I can see him coming and then the wife saying, wow. He was more handsome now. He was changed. And then I always wonder what happened to the little girl. We don't know the story. We, could, we probably know about the culture of the Syrians. We don't know if the parents die, but we, we know something about the culture of the Syrians. Once something that they did is they adopted people like the little girl and make her part of the family. That's my conclusion. Because, I mean, they had to show gratefulness. The, the, you know, the, the general wanted to give Elisha the million bucks, but Elisha said, I don't want your money because this thing is by grace, not by money. 
you are not going to buy your healing. You know, it, it, that's the principle right there because Elijah is salvation. So he wasn't going to accept no money. He was only going to give. And then Naaman said, this is one of the most amazing confessions of Naaman. He says, now I know that the Lord of heaven lives in Israel. Now I know that the God of heaven is the one. And even he goes to Elijah and says, please give me, I, I, I want to ask you your permission. I know my master is going to go and, you know, worship his idols. I'm going to accompany him. But, you know, be sure my heart is with the Lord. I'm, I'm changed. I'm saved. I decided to make Jehovah my God. Elijah, your God now is my God. And that's probably what he said to the king, Aben Ahalad. In that, in that return, and, and probably Ben-Hadad was very happy because now I have my number one general healed. He can chase more Israelites now. Yeah. <laughs> That's the crazy part of the story, you know, healing your enemy so he can come back and, you know, give you more spanking. And that's what they did. That's what it happened. I mean, and that's the grace of God. I mean, that's, I mean, God is so, so incredible. And, and he surprises us in so many, many ways. And he also wants to surprise you. And there is people waiting for you, divine appointments, you know, created from heaven. And I'm going to finish with, I think it's time to quit. I'm going to finish with the scripture. My wife is saying amen, so I mean, I better go. <clears throat> Amen. Okay, it's Mother's Day, so I need to be nice. <laughs> we read today about, you know, the layman in Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4. And I believe he was the most popular layman in Jerusalem. I always wonder, did Jesus saw him before? But what happened was that that layman was supposed to be healed by Peter and John. That divine appointment, appointment wasn't for Jesus. That divine appointment was for these two. I mean, it was, an, I mean, in a specific word, everybody knew this guy. He was there every day begging. And we know of in Mexico about beggars. We know people standing in the corners begging for money so they become famous. I even know a corner where we have a fake blind. I mean, he, he, he plays, you know, he plays the role of the blind, you know, and you see him walking like this, and then he goes into his corner, he hangs his thingy, his bag, and then all of a sudden he's into. He's a good actor. I mean, he's good. And he goes and, and shakes two tires, and then he goes and, you know. So this one was a famous layman, but it wasn't for Jesus to be healed. What I'm trying to say is that there is people who are waiting for you so you can bring a point of connection, so you can connect. And what I see for the church is that 
your pastors are trying to move the church in a different dimension. Like they are pushing and pushing and, pu and you just need to cooperate. You know what I mean is, let go of the past and then embrace the present and the future. I mean, change is needed. And we have to prepare a church for the next generation. I'm preparing a church for my grandchildren. I mean, the style is different. Nowadays, you know, I mean, I, was, I grew up like Nelson, you know, with the suit and, you know, and the tie and, you know, always, you know, that was the style. But nowadays, you come with, you know, those jeans with, you know, they're with holes and who cares? If that helps to communicate the message to a new generation, I want to do it. I mean, why not? It's, it's the same thing, but in a different package. You know, we don't change the word of God. We don't change, you know, these things that are important. We don't change that we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We don't change those things because we need that. We need to depend, like Elijah said, if I'm going to be serving the Lord for in the future, I need the same anointing as Elijah. Because he can see that without that, there is nothing we can do. And I think the challenge of this church is you need to depend more on the Spirit. You need to depend more on the Spirit. I want to say it again. You need to depend more on the Spirit. There is a need. But the Spirit has, you know, and he's going to use you in many different ways. And be just open to whatever. I mean, it's like it's, sometimes it's not planned. I don't think, you know, Peter and John got up that day and said, oh, I think it's a good day to heal the layman. <laughs> I mean, it's the same thing with me. I didn't walk up and say, oh, what a wonderful thing, you know, to be saved today, November 25th. I mean, that was the farthest thing in my mind. I didn't know anything about that. So that's the way the Holy Spirit moves like the wind and he does what he wants when he wants and we need to open to that I want you to stand and I want to quieres venir güerita puedes ayudarme a terminarlo no sé qué más decir so why don't, why don't we pray today I think God's been very clear and I just want to do one thing. Pastor Nelson, what's one miracle you saw in your ministry? Lifelong what? Okay. A woman delivered from lifelong abuse. Okay. God's saying today, this church will do greater things. Okay. So that was then. This is now. We need to expect greater things things. And there's people around you every day, people at school, people at your office, people at your work, people in your neighborhood. And you know, when you come up and you tell them the secrets in their heart and the needs of their life without them ever telling you, you know, it's just amazing how it opens doors. And God, we just pray that every day 
this church will walk in expectation of the opportunities that you will put before them. God, do not let us walk expecting the same. Make us walk expecting new experiences, new situations, new things in our life, because you will take this church to a greater and more powerful level than it has ever, ever seen in the past.